Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Welcome to the Dominion Podcast, episode 41. I am your host, Jeremy Boyd. And I'm Alex. And we got a couple guests in studio with us tonight. Why don't you guys... uh, Introduce yourselves. Let us know a little bit about yourselves. I'm Jacob, member of Hill City Baptist Church. Member? Just a member? Yeah, Jacob is one of our, well, he's our only intern right now. Yeah. He's working full time, so it's kind of, he's doing other things too. He's doing, he runs, doing he run, yeoman's work. Yeah, he yeah. runs our student yeah. ministry. Nice. And he preaches and he writes off pretty much weekly for us as well, so. Nice. You guys yeah. have a uh, like a blog that we uh, have a like every week a newsletter goes out. Okay. Yeah. And this is Tristan. All right, let's get to tonight's topic. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm good with that. <laughs> this is uh, the Tristan Inglis of the, the Upper Forty Studio, of course, mm-hmm. who prepared this beautiful room for us. You might notice we got a different camera angle tonight. Yeah. It's because we're all slightly overweight, except for Tristan, <laughs> and we couldn't fit us all in frame. So. <laughs> I like that you said slightly. <laughs> it's like, I'll settle for that. I'm not morbidly obese. I'm, although the way I eat, sometimes you think I was trying to be. But, uh, <laughs> it's so, good to have you boys. It is good to have everybody here. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, is, what is the reason you guys are here? I mean, you guys have had some excitement over the last uh, week and a bit, I suppose. So Yeah, well, we are all now hardened criminals. That's right. If you notice our teardrop tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> this is for my hob- homies got sent up the river <laughs> No, we thought we would uh, We all were up in Ottawa this weekend And um, Was that your first time there, guys? You Did you, I mean, for the oh. protest Were you, did you go any other day? That was my second Yes, yeah. you went up with your boss Yeah, that was my third Your third time Yeah, I, uh, a couple friends of mine and, and myself Actually joined the convoy when it rolled into oh, nice. Ottawa the first nice. week yeah. So we thought what we would do is recap this. There's a lot of misinformation going around. I mean, I hate that term because every time it's used, it basically means it's true. <laughs> Whenever you hear someone say it's misinformation, you should you should think that there's a 70% chance what that person said was true. Yeah. I've got a new method for discerning the truth in the news. Mm. If one of the major outlets says it, it's usually the opposite. Yeah, polar opposite. Polar opposite. Mm-hmm. Maybe not factually, but the, the narrative is opposite to what they're pushing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I thought what we could do is maybe recap our experience. We were all arrested on Saturday. Uh, not maybe, me. Not me. Not you. I'm a law-abiding citizen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And participate in these shenanigans. Yeah. So maybe we could talk about, <laughs> maybe go back before that. And as we, we witnessed the protests from the ground before things got crazy and just share our experience because the narrative of our um, prime minister and, the, and his... Uh, propaganda machine in the mainstream media is 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 literally the opposite it's not just actually off or different it's the opposite of what's true and uh it was an intentional propaganda campaign against them well so let me let me lay it out as people have probably heard it yep and then you guys can sort of go through the points one by one and say why those are false so basically what you've been hearing in the news is that there's a large group of MAGA-influenced, Trump-supporting um, 
insurrectionists that made their way to the Capitol and completely choked off traffic all through the downtown area. They were harassing people, uh, harassing business owners, uh, basically holding the city captive with the aim of overthrowing the government. Mm -hmm. And so the government had to step in uh, and enact the emergency measures uh, for some reason because the normal law wasn't sufficient to disperse the crowd, which was threatening our democracy since they're trying to overthrow things. So how's that? That's a pretty good recap of the mainstream narrative. Yeah, you, I mean, there there's the misogynist, racist, right. um, white supremacist, you know, white nationalist. I feel things. dirty. I feel, I feel like I need to have a shower after saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so we went down for ourselves. I went down on last Monday with my brother, and then I went down with Ben on Wednesday to Saturday. And... Um, when I went down on Monday, things were obviously a lot less. A lot less. Uh, there's a lot less people than there are on the weekends on the Monday. Um, but when I went down on Wednesday, because the trucker, the kind of the leadership of the convoy, put out a message on social media that they were concerned that the authorities were going to escalate things to violence and extreme measures, which they did. That their advice was for as many people as possible to make it to Ottawa, not as a um, a show of force, so to speak, but actually as a deterrent. Right. Because if they're, the fact of the matter is that this convoy was made up of normal working class people. Mm-hmm. There were women and children and grandmothers, and um, I would just say, I would say your average Canadian. So it wasn't militia guys. No, dressed in camo. No, it wasn't that at all. It was actually a good. It was a good um, cross section of. Working class Canada. And I mean, we saw this when we went to the bridge in Port Hope to see the convoy. There was a, a thousand people on the bridge. And apparently every bridge from, you know, the GTA to Brighton and, and further was full way. of people. All the way. Full of people. Yeah. And not fringe, not, um, you know, radicals or extremists. Literally just just normal yeah. people. With unacceptable views. Yeah, with unacceptable yeah. views. And, and the crazy thing is... Not only was this not a bad scene, it was the best scene you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Right. So we experienced that on the bridge. The um, patriotism and the kindness and the neighborliness and the joy and the happiness. I mean, I haven't seen that in years. And I don't think I've ever experienced that, even at Canada Day things. Mm-hmm. And when we went to Ottawa, that was just exploded. I mean, all of the food was free. So there was multiple food tents because people just came and set up, were making food. Like every morning we were there, we went and there was a breakfast tent. And they were just giving away bacon and eggs on like a sandwich, like every morning and coffee. Now, many people donated, which was so encouraging too. Like many people would give 20, 50, 100 bucks for their sandwich to, to donate. Um, I was actually walking, I was at this the, the Freedom Soup tent where they're just giving away soup all day mm, freedom soup it's yeah 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 freedom soup is way better than commie soup that's for sure yeah because that's just potatoes and cabbage yeah exactly in a weak broth yeah and maybe some beets and and i noticed <laughs> when i was there on monday the home like people who appeared to be homeless kept like fist pumping and saying hey thanks for coming and good to see you and i remember thinking oh that's interesting and um well, I was at the soup kitchen, and the, one of the gentlemen I met earlier was there, and I heard him say to his buddy, 
He's like, wow, this is sure better than the soup kitchen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and they loved it. And you remember there was a fake news story about truckers and their protesters, you know, robbing from the the homeless. Yeah, yeah. Hey, by the way, truckers know how to um, pack supplies. It's what they do. They yeah. didn't come to Ottawa and then steal from homeless people. Yeah, they okay? had they had enough food to last a lot longer than they lasted. Yeah. And uh, they were actually feeding homeless people all week. Yeah. And the homeless people I met were just so stoked that they were there. Um, so when did you guys roll into town? Did you guys go up together? Well, um, no, we were up separate. You were up probably, you went the night before. You went Friday, Friday night. Friday night I That's went right. up. And uh, I wanted to obviously get down there as soon as possible. Um, after hearing the trucker kind of give the call out to everyone who can get down here and uh, yeah, we left Saturday morning early, drove through traditional Canadian terrible roads, and got there around 10 or so. Mm-hmm. I, I, just on the, I brought my family to the bridge, um, Port Hope, when the truckers are coming through, and I share the same sentiment. It was, I was, I never felt more proud to be a Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just, I like, I had to bring my kids there because it was like, this was a historical uh, event. And to show them that, you know, there are Canadians out there who care for their freedom, and it was just, it was it was actually emotional just mm-hmm. just witnessing the, I don't know, the vulnerability of <clears throat> all sorts of different people mm-hmm. just there on their basic you know for, uh, basic rights of being what what a human is, um, and celebrating the truckers there, and I'm like, I, and I personally wanted to go there instead of just being a an armchair warrior and commenting from behind my screen, I actually wanted to go there and talk with truckers and actually have the on the ground experience, which I got. I don't know when you were out Friday night, I guess. Yeah. But even like to kind of go back to what you were saying too, um, I had the privilege of actually driving up with the convoy the first, Mm -hmm. the first week. Um, and that was, an amazing experience like many of the friends that were with me we were kind of joking like wow this is the the first time in our lives that we've uh, we realized like we've actually ever felt patriotic <laughs> patriotic yeah, yeah, before yeah. right you just never realized how i don't know just sort of bland canada was or or had become i guess right until all of a sudden um you were with thousands of other canadians that cared about um what canada is supposed to be and uh, so anyways, yeah, we got to drive up with um, hundreds of trucks and kind of roll down the 417. And from there, we sort of broke off and found parking and then took the uh, the subway in just because we didn't want to get locked in uh, yeah. in the city. Um, but yeah, like we, we came out onto the street and uh, all your your classic Canadian stereotypes were just amplified. Like there were there were literally... You know, guys walking around with mustaches and double doubles, waving hockey stick <laughs> Canada flags. Like I it saw was a, just a, the best thing. I saw ever. a guy yeah. with the Turd Ferguson cowboy hat on. <laughs> yeah, the Norm Macdonald giant oh, yeah. cowboy hat. Yeah, it's like yeah, I yeah. like this guy. I'd like yeah. to meet him. Yeah. <laughs> and the the my general takeaway from that first weekend was um, just a sense of joy and camaraderie. Uh, these were people who obviously over the last two years have um, been suffering to various degrees mm-hmm. under all the different mandates and lockdowns. And, um, but all of that, all of that was different because now people were laughing and looking each other 
in the face, oh, seeing yeah. each other face to face. There was singing, there was prayer, there was um, celebration. It was it was a beautiful, beautiful time. Mm. Um, and the second time I went, it was the same <clears> thing. <throat> and then even the even even this past weekend, in light of everything that happened, I was impressed that it still managed to maintain that kind of atmosphere um, to a large degree. Well, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I tell people it's it's basically like a farmer's market, but not for elitists. Farmer's market now, it's like it's way more expensive than normal supermarkets. So yeah. really, it's yuppies that show up to super farmer's markets. I mean, it's not what it, it's not yeah, what it you used want to be. Tiny purple potatoes go to the farmer's market. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not what it was when I was a kid when it's like it's cheaper things direct from the farm. It's like yeah. more expensive things. <laughs> Um, but if you picture literally like an, like a farmer's market from 30 years ago and, uh, you know, just working class people, that's what it was. But it was even better because everyone was friendly. Mm-hmm. It's because you were there to uphold and respect the dignity of your neighbor. Like, that's why people are there. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually did that for you. Like, these people are the ones who are willing to sacrifice and to bear the cost for other people. That's why they were there. And they would say, even when to the police, they'd say, we're doing this for you, right? Like, we're here for your freedoms. And even if you, there are multi, many signs that it said something to the effect of, even if you disagree with us, we're doing this for you. Mm-hmm. And that that just shone through the whole time. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, there was a, a large portion of Christians. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tons of trucks had scripture on them. Yeah, I saw some of those. Oh, yeah. And, great. And, like, and huge, from, this whole side of the of the the back of the transport mm-hmm. just covered in these mm-hmm. messages. And they would, um, there was a main stage where they would have like a, a rotation of speakers. So many speakers were Christians, you know, mm-hmm. from various stripes. Um, but the gospel, you could hear the gospel five, six, seven, eight, ten times a day from mm-hmm. the main stage. And there was, I mean, we were up on Parliament Hill and there was a hymn sing going on, Mighty Fortress, um, I think Abide With Me, and the Doxology. Mm-hmm. And like solid hymns and tons of people praying for people and people doing street evangelism. And and, and the encouraging thing is a, re- a tolerance and respect from people who aren't Christians. So it wasn't like the Christian gets up to speak and people are like, good grief. Like, what do you, it's just everyone would sit respectfully and listen. You know, this person gets to share their view and this person gets to share. It was, it was like true tolerance. Mm. And, um, I felt totally safe. I would a hundred percent have brought my small children to that, and and wish I did. You know, before things got crazy, mm-hmm. for them to see it was the safest, the safest place you could be in Ottawa for mm-hmm. sure. Like like, definitely safer than Canada's Wonderland. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Definitely about, safer than Canada's Wonderland. How about Disneyland? I haven't been. <laughs> can't say. Can't the say. the first week uh, uh, that I was there actually. I got to hear two of the truckers get up to speak. And this is, yeah, first day that everybody's kind of down there. And uh, they were urging Canadians to go back to church. And if you're a Christian here, get your churches open. And one of them explicitly said, because Jesus Christ is our only way Mm. out of this. Mm. Um, And then as well, from the the main stage, it was um, all the things that the media was accusing them of. I heard publicly denounced by the organizers and yeah. people making speeches. It was like they were constantly reminding and urging people to stay peaceful, to stay respectful, um, 
yeah, it was it was it was nothing like what the the media was saying that it was. If you and if you're like me, that is really discouraging. Mm-hmm. That the that the narrative that most people believe is so radically different than what's actually happening on the ground and what's actually happening in people's minds and hearts. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that's the hardest for me to get around. Um, just the just the outright blatant knowing lies. Like mm-hmm. there's no way that Trudeau and his cabinet believe what they're saying. Mm. They know the truth. Well, and the media, they were and there. The media and the media were there. They they know it's not true. Mm-hmm. They're just yeah. willing to tell an absolute lie to get what they want. Well, and it's and it's not any lie. It's bearing false witness. It's with malicious intent. Right. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's one thing to say, "Oh, there's no protest happening" or something. It's nothing to say everyone over there is a morally reprehensible person. It's an occupation. That is yeah. that that clearly was intended to be able to justify any kind of oppression done against them. Mm-hmm. Like can you believe a First Nations woman, an elderly First Nations woman was trampled by white people on horses? Yeah. In our nation's capital. And it's like that's not the biggest thing ever. Can if you she imagine had, if, if she had been holding an orange flag? It, yeah. would be, it would be a completely different Can you imagine story? if she was carrying an orange flag and it was a conservative government and they did that? To, it would be like it immediate be resignation yeah. of mm-hmm. the prime minister, firing of the police chief. Rightfully so. And, and rightfully so yep. kind of thing. So anyways, mm-hmm. the, the propaganda. So we just want to say it was, a, it was an amazing atmosphere. It was full of kindness and respect and love and unity. And the kind of country you would hope you could be a part of it was like oh this is why people leave every corner of the earth to come here was for this mm-hmm. for the, and that and i've never even experienced that in my life you know i've i've heard that's what we're about but we're but we're really not but but for those three weeks it's like the best of canada mm-hmm. and uh you know people of all races there and and, and various religious backgrounds and yeah it was it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The the one image that really sticks in my mind it was from near the beginning of the protests, where you had the, you know, the young white woman with pink hair holding a sign about how everyone there is a white supremacist. Freedom is a is a white supremacist thing, and there's like a Sikh guy beside her talking mm-hmm. about freedom and how awesome it is, and like he loves being a Canadian, all this stuff, and it's like, yeah, it's this is just so surreal. Yeah, you're not even listening. Yeah, you know. Well, it's a danger. We've talked about the danger of ideology, right? What the Bible calls folly. Like, you actually can't think in, par- in other paradigms. So when you when you say like all all truckers are racist, you you truly believe that, and you go and no matter what your eyes witness, you can't actually comprehend that. You just suppress the truth. Um, a good example of that. I was <laughs> I was scrolling through Twitter after everything had kind of gone down on Friday, and. Uh, that video of the elderly lady being trampled was being shared around and a woman literally commented on it and said, the Ottawa police said there was no violence. And she was like, Mm -hmm. she was defending it. And someone just responded to her and was like, how, how do you believe that over your own eyeballs? Like the video is right there, 
but you're so blinded yeah. by your ideology mm-hmm. that you you actually are just like, but the police said there was no violence. Well, Jesus, Jesus talked about this. Even if someone were to ri- rise from the dead. That's right. Yeah. Right? It's like the problem is not that you need more evidence. Mm-hmm. The problem is what you do with the evidence. Mm-hmm. And in our own sin, we protect our ideas. We protect our righteousness. We demonize other. We keep the narrative that puts us at the top, that puts people on the bottom, this type of thing. It's amazing to the point where, yeah, I, my brother-in-law had the same experience. You send people videos, and you're like, well, what's the source? It's like, do you, like, do mm-hmm. you see the video? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Reminds me of that um, that section in Jeremiah after or during during the exile, as they're being exiled, yeah. and a lot of the uh, nobles in Israel were going back to Egypt, um, rather than listen. Jeremiah said, "Listen, just go, go to Babylon, right? Go with them, and you'll you'll have your lives as a prize of war, mm-hmm. right?" And they said, "No, we're going to go to Egypt because we don't believe that this is going to end up in, in a full thing." And they they're seeing it happen in front of their eyes, but they just won't believe it. And so they go to, to uh, Egypt, and they continue sacrificing to their idols, uh, specifically to the queen of heaven. I'm not sure which goddess that was. And Jeremiah says to them, like, hey, guys, we're here because of your idolatry. That's the reason God is spewing us out of the land. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, when we were in Jerusalem, we would sacrifice to the queen of heaven, and everything was good. And then now we were supposed to sacrifice to Yahweh? when we're out here, like things were good for us back in Jerusalem. And it's like, yeah, God was just being patient with you. You were still being an idolater, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's that lack of being able to see even in the midst of their judgment, Mm -hmm. completely unable to see um, why they were being judged. Yeah. 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 So, so just to wrap up that part of the conversation, it was an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. It was a peaceful protest, hundred percent peaceful, a conscious effort, no matter what was said about them, to respond with lies, with love and and tolerance. And um, it wasn't a blockade. This is the other thing. I went yeah. down there thinking, and I mean, when they rolled in, I was hoping they would block up the whole city. Like, mm-hmm. this is cool. It wasn't a blockade. Yeah. You could get emergency vehicles down. There was lanes open. Cops were driving by, even on Wellington. It's more blockaded now than it was then. When, yeah. I, when, I, when I was down there, a woman drove by in her car and yelled at me to put a mask on. Oh. <laughs> was she wearing one in her car? I don't know. I didn't get a good look. But, but yeah. <laughs> but people were driving around in the yeah. downtown. And you could walk about freely. No, oh, yeah. no obstruction at all. No. It's funny. The narrative we heard with that there's a bunch of yeah, angry protesters in, in camo and and yeah, people blocking off roads. The irony of it is that was the police force. The yeah. police are the ones wearing the camo. The police are the ones actually blocking everything off. Yeah. And now they stuck locks on fences. It's like mm-hmm. I think it's a bit backwards. Yeah. So peaceful protest, which is 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 a um necessary component of a functioning democracy, the ability mm-hmm. for the people to express themselves without force. Mm-hmm. For as long as they want. Yeah. There's no statute of limitations. Exactly. So um, that was that. Those are just the facts. And anyone on the ground uh, will tell you the same thing. Mm-hmm. So then, what happened on Saturday was so we had been up Wednesday, th- Wednesday evening, Thursday, Friday. Ben and I, and we were there for the purpose of standing with the truckers, so that if anything happened, if there was a, a clamp down and arrest made, that we would say, you know what, we appreciate 
these men and women and their sacrifices, what they're doing is lawful. And if you are going to be a tyrant and break the law and and destroy the rule of law in the city, then we're going to actually identify with them mm-hmm. and and stand and be counted. So, I mean, they put out the call. Like they said, we need people, and we just saw it as our civic duty. And as Christian men, it's like, well, they give the orders, right? And it was the RCMP officer and a former military and a um, police officer, former police officer as well. And so I'm like, well, they know what they're doing, you know? So if they want citizens to come and peacefully um, stand on Parliament Hill, then we're going to do it. So we went down, and um, it was a tense couple days because everyone knew that at any moment something could happen. And I think Trudeau, what day did he pass the Emergency Act? Monday. Yeah, it was Monday. It was this past Monday? It was a week ago. Um, A a week and a half ago now. Yeah. And then Wednesday, they put out the call to come to Ottawa. Okay. Now, he he proclaimed it on Monday, but technically, Parliament is supposed to vote on it and pass it before it goes into effect. Right. But they started... I guess they started just using the emergency act right away, even though it hadn't. Well, the whole protest was done before they voted on it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the the thing was over on Saturday. Well, yeah, they, they were supposed to talk about it on Friday and vote on it, uh, and then just canceled Parliament on that day and said, no. "Well, yeah, we don't really need to pass this thing. We're just going to act as if it's already passed." Yeah. Now I heard though, because I was confused about that as well, but somebody told me, and maybe you can verify if this is true that. Um, when he invoked the Emergencies Act on Monday, it did come into effect. Okay. Um, but it and, had to be ratified in a certain yes, amount of time? Yes. Right. Okay. Um, is, is that right? Is that I how think it that's works? how it is. Sounds, yeah. Yeah. But either way, that was, that was on the table when yeah. we were down there. And we, we on the Friday, the police came out in full force, far down from Parliament. I don't know the streets. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about like hundreds of meters away from Parliament Hill, the center of the protest. And they formed a line and there were, um, you know, police officers in normal clothes, but there was also, it looked like RCMP SWAT or something. Like they had assault rifles. The guys with the dark green? Not those. They they had dark green, but they weren't the riot police dark green. Those people were from Quebec. Okay. And they came on the Saturday. So these were, I'm assuming, Ontario... Um, police officers, and they had the cavalry there, the horses. Snipers um, on the rooftops as well. Yeah, people on the rooftop. So it was a big show of force, and it wasn't clear what was going to happen. So we made our way down when they came out, and it wasn't... I didn't know what was going to happen. When we first formed up, the protesters first kind of wandered down to see what was going on. They formed two lines of police and the protesters. And the protesters just stood there. And were basically saying, like, why are you doing this? Like, this is a peaceful protest. Like, we're allowed to be here. You know, shame on you. Why are you doing this type of thing? And at one point, the um, police said, you know, move. Like, they yell move and, and, like, march forward. And the whole line of protesters just moved back initially. And the irony is they probably that day could have literally marched all the way up to Parliament Hill and just said move and people would have yelled stuff at them like what are you doing and why are you doing this but would have complied because again no one was violent as mm-hmm. the police chief said no officers were hurt in this despite the extreme measures they were taking despite the fact that for month, like not even just a week like before they even came we're castigating them in the most 
as the most morally reprehensible people and demonizing them despite all of these things. Um, not even listening to them, not even having the courtesy to come out, which under normal circumstances would understandably build up resentment and uh, frustration. Everyone was very understanding and and showed extreme self-control given the circumstances. It was actually shocking. Um, anyways, they, they, it was a tense day and they kind of moved forward slowly. And that was the day that the lady, the elderly lady uh, with her walker was trampled by the by the um, horses and you can watch the video and and I saw her so 100% this lady had a walker and the, oh, the, you could tell from the pictures and very like a hundred different videos this is why when mm-hmm. the police chief came out and said it was misinformation they said it was uh photoshopped in by the protesters yeah <laughs> it's like but do you know that everyone there had a cell phone and yeah. they were filming for like six hours before this event like Everyone saw this lady on a hundred different videos for hours. Mm -hmm. And it was such a bold-faced, malicious lie. And uh, anyways, I didn't know that she got run over. So when I'm doing my live streams on Facebook, I did some Facebook Lives, I'm telling everyone, you know, it's generally peaceful. Because up at the main stage, it's just party central like it always is. I didn't realize that it happened um, until I watched the videos. So Saturday morning we wake up, and so, so let me just stop for a second. Yeah. How many people were there on Friday? How many protesters? Do you think? I mean, was it like five hundred? Was it eight thousand? Was it, it wasn't eight thousand? I mean, it, it could have been like two or three thousand. Yeah, a couple thousand maybe. Yeah. Um, it's hard to even say if if that's. It's hard to judge. It was more spread out. It was more spread because it's a huge area, like all the way down the street. So it's hard to say, but not not a ton. And um, they had been pushing the, you know, threats through the media that they would be, you know, implementing tactics they'd never seen before in the city and that there was checkpoints and safe zones. And they were trying to deter people from coming in for the weekend, which they did an effective job of. Um, So Saturday, we they ended at the end of the day. We finally went to bed because they they did a blockade just past the Fairmont Hotel, still hundreds of meters away from Parliament Hill. And... um, so we just thought, what was the point of today? Like, why did you just move from, like, way out of the protest area to just kind of, you know, getting to the edges of it? What was the point of this? You didn't think they were coming further the next well, day? I, I, it was hard to tell what they were thinking. So I woke up on Saturday, and I looked at some live video of it. We were about 10 minutes away. And there was like five or six cops just standing there, like just normal police, just standing on the other side. They put a barricade up. So I thought, ah, maybe they were just trying to clear out the street by uh, the Fairmont, you know, the famous hotel. So all the rich people could still not have to deal with the peasants kind of thing. Anyways, so we hit the road. We we were going to check out of our hotel and went home. Once we got to Carlton Place for breakfast, we pull over and we see all the videos and you know, um, a fellow pastor, Steve Richardson, is putting up on social media that he was, uh, you know, basically assaulted three or four times mm. as he was moving away. He never, he never confronted the police. He was actually trying to defend people who were being hurt. At one point, he knelt down with the trucker and put his hands behind his head to kind of be arrested. And they just laid the boots to him and started hitting him and stuff. And he had to, other protesters had to pull him out. He's, a, he's not a big guy. And it was totally non-threatening posture and all of this. 
It was often as he was staying still or moving away. So we thought, we got to get back down there. So Ben and I just turned around and went back and managed to get through a blockade. The officer was facing the other way and ran downtown. So you just ran through a, a, a checkpoint? Well, kind <laughs> of. Like, they didn't try and stop us because I think because he was just busy. You killed like 15 cops, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, it felt it honestly felt like a little black ops mission trying to yeah. get trying yeah. to get in there on Saturday. So Jacob was with another guy, mm-hmm. Jeremy, a brother of the Lord up in Ottawa, and Tristan was with Justin and Calvin. Mm-hmm. And so there's three groups, Ben and I, Jacob and Jeremy. Jeremy got arrested in the morning mm-hmm. just for standing in the wrong place. And maybe <laughs> I'll pass it over to you to share your experience now. Yeah, so we were um we had decided like earlier in the week we couldn't get there wednesday night like alex and ben did but we knew okay we're gonna go as soon as we can and uh and stand with the protesters um so we went up friday night saturday morning jeremy and i my friend are we're looking for a way in um we tried initially to go in kind of the back way in behind parliament there is actually like it's pretty awesome. There's like a hundred, hundred and fifty other protesters that were literally walking across the frozen like river there to get in behind oh, yeah. from from in behind, including elderly like Polish ladies. Yes, yeah, <laughs> with more courage than most Christian men yes, this year. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, anyways, Jeremy knew like there was a path there, and then some stairs that went up to the street. So we were just going to walk up the stairs and go over and join the protests. And um, we get there, and we find construction workers reinforcing fencing, like big, tall fencing, blocking people out. Um, and so Jeremy just started talking to them. He was like, "Well, why are you guys doing this? Um, have you are you have you thought about what you guys are participating in?" Like uh, he was just kind of challenging them, like. Have you actually put any thought or consideration into what you're doing right now? And then a cop saw him talking and uh, came over and just started yelling at him to leave. Just leave now. Get out of here. And Jeremy turned and just started asking the police officer, just, well, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just standing on a stairwell. I live in Ottawa. And the officer was just not having any of it. He, he kept saying, leave now or you will be arrested. Leave now or you will be arrested. And Jeremy just was innocently asking why. Um, and so anyways, it was kind of gross the way the, the officer responded. Like he, he wasn't, you know, calmly, um, dealing with the situation in any way. He was just ticked off that somebody he wasn't in there. He didn't, he wasn't in the right. Exactly. If you're in the right, you don't have to get aggravated. Exactly. You just, exactly. You got the, the high ground, right? It was yeah. very reflexive. It was very angry. And so anyways, he just pulled the fencing apart and ran down and, uh, three other cops came with him and just grabbed Jeremy and put him in handcuffs. The whole thing was like, it was like a 10 second interaction. It was wild how fast it happened. Um, just for standing on a, on a stairway. But they didn't arrest you. No, they threatened to, um, Jacob had already run. (laughs) I was already 50 (laughs) feet away. No, I was, I was filming. Um, and he did, he did come at me and I, I asked for his name and badge number. He ignored me, told me to leave. I asked for his name and badge number again, which you're supposed to give as an officer. Yep. You have to identify yourself. But it's an emergency, so they don't have to do anything. Yeah. And so anyways, he then came at me. And I was, again, I, would, I had already resigned myself to the fact that I'm probably getting arrested today. And I was fine with that. But our wives were 15 feet away watching the whole thing happen. And I figured that one of us should probably stay and, 
and help get everything figured out. Yeah. Um, so I, I took a few steps back and, and said, okay, fine, I'm leaving. Um, and so then we didn't hear from Jeremy for a few hours. I had no idea what was going on with him. So that was kind of our first, I don't know, experience trying to get down there. So meanwhile, Tristan and Calvin and Justin are at the, at the protest. And the police have made their way all up Wellington, Parliament Hill, clear today, and they're coming down the hill. They're about, you know, when we show up, they're you about guys, 50 to 100 yards. You guys are near the Weston Hotel, right? Yeah, I think so. We <clears throat> we parked in Chinatown, I think, and walked in. It was extremely hard to find a parking spot, but <clears throat> we found, like, a municipal spot. And you could tell everyone in that parking spot was a, like, a freedom-loving Canadian. <laughs> this guy pulls up. He's from Alberta. Uh, yeah, Alberta. He's like, is there any spots in here? Like, I don't know, just pick a spot. we got to get down there. So we... Um, your your brother had a huge Canadian flag on a big broom pole. I'm like, man, you got to leave that because we're not going to be able to get in if we start swinging that thing around. So, we- isn't it funny how the Canadian flag is actually like they treat it as if you're carrying a swastika? Yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, look at that guy. That guy's got a, that, that's a bad man. Yeah, you know, in it's their like, mind, it's our flag. In their mind, it represents something just as evil. Yeah, that's why mm-hmm. they yeah. they hate our country. Yeah. I hate Western culture. Mm. Yeah, so we uh, yeah we got down there and I between Bank and what's the one further up the road the the, the police started pushing down like a narrow corridor between Bank and a, or it was Wellington, my street. I'm, I can't remember what street I live on. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they were literally like sandwiching on both sides, pushing down. And at that point, you guys showed up, and Justin joined you, and me and Calvin were on the left side against the parliament building fences and there's a cal cavalry was there yeah there so mm-hmm. the, yeah there's like a behind the horse three rows of cops and then behind them was the big military vehicle with the sound um that sound beacon that's supposed to blister Shatter your face your drums yeah yeah did uh, they use that no, no. and they, they wouldn't have because all the, there's a lot of police didn't have ear protection <clears throat> on so i think it's just intimidation uh, i mean i wouldn't put it past them at that point uh, yeah, so they start pushing over, and then <laughs> you guys are to the right, and my brother come, Ben comes up to me and says, we're going to be uh, pulling back. And in typical Ben fashion, he's just kind of a vague, like, in his words, that meant come over here with us. And I was just like, no, I'm going to stay with Calvin, because I thought you guys were leaving. So what we had decided to do is to take a knee by the barrier, because the horses couldn't <clears throat> get through. They couldn't trample us through a barrier, so they wouldn't use right. them. And and it would be a non-combative thing. Like we're just sitting here, you know. Anyways, we sent Ben to tell him, and the message that came across was "Run for your life" or something. <laughs> so not what we meant. So they so they stayed. Yeah, we stayed. Me and Calvin were doing our best to tell them a bit about Jesus and that's great. Whether or not God through, um, but yeah, and then they get pushing faster and harder, and then well, from my perspective. We went to go find you guys, and I, I couldn't find you. And I was I'm like, I didn't think that, in fact, you were arrested and even crossed my mind. I was like, oh, they went back, so maybe they went down the road or something. So I was calling and calling, and I was like, this is weird. Oh, well, I guess we'll stay here. At that point, they had reached the barrier where you guys were, and I hadn't known it, and I'd already been arrested at that point. And then Calvin gets a text like, hey, they've been arrested. <laughs> I was like, what? My first instinct was, without us? Like, why didn't they tell us? <laughs> Which I was thankful for, because I was like, yeah. 
Desper- trying to run in. At yeah, I was desperately looking for a way in um, at this point. And I'd been in contact with you and you had kind of told me there was supposedly this way through Chinatown. So I had driven over and gotten dropped off and then was trying to sort of make my way through these police checkpoints to get to where to where they were. And eventually I, I did get there and I was thankful that Tristan and Calvin were still still standing. <laughs> and from maybe you tell your... Well, well so we, we took a knee and... Um, they had been they had been pepper spraying people, and you know we had seen people treated very roughly, um, and we had known from the day before that women were trampled by the horses, people were beaten, like we'd seen that. So we were expect fully expecting that we were at least going to get pepper sprayed, and and I just told the guys cover your heads, you know, protect your heads, and keep your head down, kind of thing. Um, for they, they they have these little speakers and they're like you your your protest could be more effective if you go if you leave and go to the other side of the barrier and it's just like no wouldn't the whole principle is that I'm allowed to be here that this is peaceful this is this is we're allowed to be here so we just stayed put anyways they're like you, you you're gonna be arrested and I said I know and he's like you want to be arrested and I just nodded like well I'm not leaving so they arrested all three of us and um Interestingly, one of the police told Ben, you know, they patted him on the back and said, like, good job, and we're proud of you guys, and stuff like that. So weird. It's so weird, and it's also like, if you know, I almost don't really respect that. No, it's, I it's, don't either. It's, it's like, you shouldn't be here then. Like, you need to do something. Mm-hmm. It's like all the conservatives. I, I Yeah. Disconnecting I, what you believe from what you're doing. Yeah, it's like, I don't really care what you say. You know what would have been powerful if y'all just actually, the day they cancel parliament which was obscene um you should have gone to parliament yeah. and if you're not going to go to parliament you should have come out and taken a knee is yeah. what you should have done or for the previous two years if you'd been actually being the opposition and oh, giving, yeah. giving a voice to the people that'd be something too yeah but, so we were yeah. arrested we were put in the same truck there's two sides and justin and i are in the same side and then ben's in the other and ben got to share the gospel with the people he was in the van with and um yeah, we had great chats with the guys we were in with, and they dropped us like way out of town. Unfortunately, we were together, and we just called Jeremy, the same guy who had been arrested earlier, and he just came and picked us up. He had already been released. Mm-hmm. So then you guys, you heard we were arrested. So Calvin um, was in a frenzy trying to phone people, see where we could find you guys, where you were being taken, and we ran up to a police checkpoint and asked, like, hey, our friends got arrested, where they'd taken them. And he's like, well, I don't really know. Maybe you could check the Ottawa police station there. So we weren't sure what to do. Um, we there was de- we were definitely came to a point where we were conflicted. Um, one side was, well, how are we going to get vehicles to um, you guys? How are we supposed to not get arrested so we can help out yeah. with you guys where you, you guys couldn't? Um, so we were conflicted. Then Jacob showed up. And we definitely had a conversation like, what should we do? And um, in one sense, we all knew, like, we all knew the risk going there. It's not like, it wasn't a, a fear crossing our minds. Right. It's more just a, a practical side. Well, I should, if I'm honest with myself, there was a bit of a, am I doing the right thing? That did come through my mind quickly. Um, am I doing this just because um, my brother and Alex and Justin did? And I am thinking through that at the moment, I was thinking, well, you know, our church has been following our eldership for the past two years. And, you know, our church has gone through some pretty rough times. And 
I've never been more glad the past two years eagerly following, um, you know, the shepherds put over us. So I thought, this isn't a sinful inclination to want to follow, um, you know, follow the good example of our brothers. Um, and also we are just, you know, this has, in my mind, was the climax of the past two years. And, you know, it was the right place to be and I wouldn't have been anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we prayed about it mm-hmm. in the middle of the street. We're like, well, committed to the Lord. And Jacob, I think you asked me, how are we going to go down? And you, you said, we should sing a mighty fortress is our God. And I was like, oh, I think it made me get to verse 2, and then I'd start stumbling. (laughs) 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 So I said, well, do amazing grace. That didn't quite pan out. As long as you get let goods and kindred go. Yeah. 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 So we walked to the front, and we were definitely worried about getting trampled um, as they were starting to get ready to push again. Because there's that initial frenzy of, like, when they start to push, people push in, push out. So we thought, well, maybe after they do their first push, people back up. Then we'll move to the front lines, take a knee, and go that way. That's kind of what we did, mm-hmm. um, except before the push. Um, I guess I just started talking to the officers in front of me. I had a good good chance to, you know, speak about the freedom in Christ, and I was struck by the. I, I think each and every one of us had a came away with very specific images that will always be locked in our mind. Mm-hmm. For me, it was looking the police in the eyes and just seeing their, their humanity, their frailty. Um, and I told them, you guys have a uniform on. This is the only thing that's different between me and you. Um, your life is a vapor and you are going to be accountable for your action state as am I. And looking back, I'm just very thankful. You know, I didn't feel any fear in doing that, mm-hmm. like looking them in the eye. And, and that was, that's not even a remotely a bit of a boasting. It was, it was all of the Lord who just gave us the confidence. I think after I feel like after we prayed, it was just like this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and what happened after that? Well, it was I'd, one of the things that actually stuck with me about that was as you were speaking to the officers, um, one of them actually did talk to you and say, "I think he said thank you for ministering to us," um, which I was initially impressed by, but then he he said but I'm not here to talk about religion and philosophy. That's right. um, I have a job to do or something like that. Yeah. I and will crush you. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was very angry. Like he's, yes. He's like, you can, same thing. You can protest, you can protest over there. Yeah. At that point, I said, you missed the point. Yeah. And I just, I just thought it was interesting, though, that you know, he said, I'm not here to talk about religion and philosophy when his religion and philosophy is the reason that he was there. Mm-hmm. That's right. right. It's like you can't separate those things and, and talk about them as if they belong in a separate category that has nothing to do with your actions. Mm-hmm. It's like you are taking the position that you're taking because of what you worship and what you believe about yourself mm-hmm. and the world. And so to hear him just sort of dismiss those as if they were insignificant and had no bearing on the situation was frustrating it was interesting seeing some cops nod uh, in my mind there's three different kind of cops there there's a cop who's there because he has a bone to chew and he's more than happy to throw people in cop cars there's the police there who is doing what he, just doing what he's been told mm-hmm. and he's believed that lie that he has no choice and then there's a third who legitimately legitimately believes that he is just clearing the street so that things get back to normal he is and, and they're all deceived in their own way mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we we kneeled down, took the same approach as they did, um, 
And at that point, they started screaming at us, like, they send out the intimidator. There's this big guy who's just, like, yelling in my ear, move, move, and he's kicking my feet, trying to get me. Kind of shoving you with his baton and stuff. And I was like, I'm not moving. This is why we came here. And then another image that will stick with me is after being thrown to the ground, in perfect peace, um... No, no, I just I didn't find it comical, but it really was. I was looking up the Parliament Building, looking at the Canadian flag, being like, "Well, this is the Canada we're in." It was yeah. like, and being a perfect piece with it, and yeah, and then just the being put in a cop car was kind of surreal. Like, yeah, you know. What I, was your well, I had a, I had a similar kind of moment. It was after they had sort of they'd put the cuffs on us, walked us to the edge, and then they actually. They walked us up Wellington Street, right in front of the Parliament buildings. Yeah, same. Before that's where they did the process. Yeah, before putting us in the transport vehicles, and you know, I'd been to Ottawa the last two weekends and seen the joy and the happiness of the protest, the peacefulness of the protest, and then to be there again in a radically different situation, being walked in front of these buildings that are supposed to represent the supremacy of God and the rule of law and freedom. Um, but I'm in handcuffs for mm-hmm. being on the street. Mm-hmm. That was a very surreal experience that I will never forget. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just had a, a similar sort of thought as you that just um, the Canada that I don't know that I once knew is just not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get, yeah. Then I, so I get to the, Paddy wagon is the one guy was calling yeah. it. And you open the door and you're sitting in there. And this is a funny thing in my mind where I was, you're like, hey, brother, welcome. And I'm like, when have the police ever heard, maybe they have, I know crazy <laughs> lunatics, but yeah. like people happy being thrown in this transport wagon. Yeah. And, you know, we get thrown in there and I end up being this guy I grew up with who I didn't even know was there. He's a believer. His nephew's in the other transport vehicle with our other friend who is a believer. Um, and you you told me, you're like, how many Christians are they going to arrest before they realize that something's up? Yeah. Like, this isn't right. Yeah. So so maybe we could talk about um, why we did that. You know, why, why did we think it was okay to be arrested? Mm-hmm. And um, when I was speaking on Sunday on this, initially I'm like, well, I should explain to my congregation why their pastor is arrested and still is preaching. Which on one hand is true, but on the other hand it's like, Actually, I'm in pretty good company. <laughs> like, you know, Paul and Peter and John, you know, spent Prophets. some... Yeah, it's and, like they spent time um, in prison. You know, they spent time at the hands of the uh, authorities, like facing the threats of the rulers of the age. And obviously Jesus was crucified by them. So it was just funny that my impulse is like, obviously I need to justify this. And, and in a way, I, I want to tell people what happened. But it's like the fact that you're that a that a Christian man is is arrested for you know a cause is not it it shouldn't be like an automatic oh you you must be disqualified or mm-hmm. that must be a sign of a character flaw or sin or something like that it it could be um, but it might just be that you are walking in righteousness so for me a big reason I was there was. Um, to stand with the oppressed. You know, it says in Psalm 10 that the Lord hears the desires of the afflicted and he gives justice to the oppressed and the fatherless. And I think, sadly, a lot of conservatives and their desire to kind of distance themselves from a social gospel or woke stuff, um, 
you know, don't, don't, they, they need to recognize that social justice, as far as justice towards your neighbor, is a biblical concept, and it's actually a part of the character of God. It's who he is, that he is, not only is he aware, he has a unique ear towards those who don't have the ear of those in power. And um, many people over the last two years have been severely abused by mm-hmm. those in power. And it is the, the what we see in this time is what Paul called the, um, it's the utter contempt that the ruling class has um, towards the lower class people and the working class people. Um, dis- the, the, the language he used, not many of you were um, noble, but you were despised. God shows what is despised in the world. And you, from the day one, from the politicians to the media, to the academics, to the wealthy people in their condos with their laptops who've kept their jobs the whole time, the Zoom class, COVID has been an entirely different experience for them. They've kept their jobs, probably gotten raised. It's an inconvenience, right? It hasn't been easy. We all do our part. And and if that's all this was, there's nothing to talk about. But for a huge portion of people, this has been deadly. Um, you know, people have died years earlier than they ought to have in isolation and long-term care. People were not protected from COVID. People were not offered effective therapies. Um, We've done this political theater where we're masking two-year-olds. All a mask is at this point, and there's no disputing this, it is an allegiance badge. It's what side are you on? And that's all all it is. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people's lives have been ruined economically. These people just have no concern for their neighbors that way. They just, oh, the noise was so traumatic. You know what I mean? And yeah. the utter contempt. So we, we're Christian men, and we ought to reflect our God. And we ought to, when we look at the afflicted, and we look at the oppressed, and we look at those who are wronged and who don't, who suffer under the abuse of authority and the setting aside of the rule of law, um, and the lies, we ought to be siding with them. We we ought to be the ones at front. And I preached this on Sunday, but it is such an indictment on the church that some elderly woman in a walker is at the front of that line. That is such a shameful indictment of especially Christian men and especially pastors. And Jesus has nothing but contempt for those people. And uh, there's a day of reckoning coming. So that's the first reason. And the other thing is just on a principle as a pastor. So I was there as a Christian man before anything else. I was just there as a Christian man. And I was also there as a pastor to remind the state that they have limits to their power. Mm-hmm. And that I don't, our charter happens to uphold that. But even if it didn't, it still is true. Mm-hmm. And that they are subject to the law of God. And they are not a law unto themselves. And I am there to peacefully and respectfully, and even within the bounds of the law, um, express that to them, you know? And uh, Daniel did the same thing, right? Look, I'm here to serve you. I'm a good servant. I'm a faithful citizen. You know that. You've appointed me to positions of authority. But if you ask me to treat you as a god, it's not going to happen. And when you say that you are above the law, you are saying you are a god. And it is the duty of every Christian pastor to remind the state that they are not. Mm-hmm. And, Caesar is not Lord. Yeah. Jesus is. And with Daniel, what I love about 
him as well is that um, he doesn't do that privately either, right? It's like he opens this, the window. Exactly. He goes and opens the window. He publicly defies yes. the overreach. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the law of God that required him to open his window. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll ask this to all you guys mm-hmm. here. The You said something about social justice, and I know that makes a lot of people's the hair on the back of their neck stand up because they're expecting something else to come next. But I think one of the reasons we're in the bind we are with this bad social gospel, the false justice that we're getting from the CRT crew and BLM and groups like that, the, one of the reasons that's made its way into the church is because the church has had abandoned that aspect of the gospel. Yes. And and uh, been we've been promoting like a pietistic, therapeutic gospel yeah. for a hundred years now or, mm. or more, and we've abandoned the social sphere in a sense yeah. um, to our shame. And mm. so that's left a, a gaping uh, need there. And a lot of people rightly see that the church has not done what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do, do you guys see that? And yeah. so, of course, you get people come in and say, hey, well, there's this injustice here and you guys are just ignoring it. So now I'm going to address it. Mm-hmm. But then they don't come with the right solutions because they're coming with the world's solutions yeah. instead of God's solutions. And when you when you don't have the real thing, you can fit, a counterfeit looks real. Like the only way you tell a counterfeit is by judging it compared to the real thing. Mm-hmm. And you go, which which one of these is, is true? And when you don't have the scriptures, you know, you're not preaching and teaching on what it means to live a faithful Christian life in relation to your neighbor, in relation to those in authority, in relation to the oppressed, this type of thing. Um, what is my job? If you're not doing that, then the first person to stand up and say, I think we should do this, sounds reasonable. Yeah, they right? put their finger on the problem. I'm going to follow them. Yeah, exactly. So, 100%. And then in Canada, I mean, the church has adopted the worldliness of Canadians. Brian, is it Peckford? Mm-hmm. Brian Peckford, former premier of Newfoundland. Newfoundland and Labrador for, Newf- ten, for 10 years. For 10 years. And the, the last living um, drafter of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, he said in his interview with Jordan Peterson, he acknowledged that for about 40 years or something, he said, Canadians have checked out of politics mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. It's unsightly. Um, it's kind of irrelevant. Like Canada runs so well that it's like, what does politics have to do with anything really it has everything to do with everything in canadian society um but canadians check out so it's funny that you see canadian evangelicals coming up with pietistic quasi-biblical reasons for why christians should not be political but all they're doing is reflecting the worldly culture around them mm-hmm. they're not at all being a prophetic voice they're not doing anything this isn't based on biblical categories this is pure canadianism that's what it is yeah it's and they, and they it's only they only react against one type of political engagement as well. Right. They're not reacting against, uh, or they're not reacting as strongly against Christians who are promoting leftist causes. Right. 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 But if you're at all conservative leaning and trying to apply the gospel in that way, well, you're you're just trying to bring politics into the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of curious before we wrap up here. Um, what are some of the, the takeaways for you guys and your, your experience of the last three weeks as a whole, but then maybe also in particular the last um, weekend? Well, I mean, a big the, the text I preached on on Sunday 
um, where Jesus had compassion on the crowds. They were like sheep without a shepherd, mm-hmm. and they were abused by their leaders. And I just think Christians ought not to have the contempt of the world towards um, people. They ought to have the compassion of Jesus, and that there is a great Jesus ends that by saying the pray to the Lord of the harvest because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Mm. And there's a huge harvest. Like there was, there was such a willingness for people to listen. People mm-hmm. who are hopeless and powerless um, will receive the power of Christ. But mm-hmm. it's the people who are, think they're powerful, who can't bend their knee. And so that was a big takeaway that there is a huge field here. The, the other thing is over the course of COVID, my fear of man has been dying. When I first got asked to speak publicly, I remember being kind of nervous and feeling that shame, like almost embarrassment, like, really, I'm going to preach the gospel at this non-Christian event? Like, Mm -hmm. ooh, what if they think I'm an idiot? And I remember just, it's like, wow, that's an awful thing to think, Mm -hmm. you know? It's like, what are you going to do, just always preach to Christians? Like, and and it was just a shameful fear. And so I had to put that to death. And as we did that... It died, but something this week in Ottawa died, and that I don't care at all if people don't like that I did that. I mean, I listen to my elders, I listen to my wife and Christian brothers, you know, where I'm accountable to people. Mm-hmm. But what I mean is, I do not care for the scoffers. I, do, I don't care for my ministry to reflect the accusations of, you know, respond to the accusations of worldly people. I just wanted to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And real ministry is just messy. Real ministry is like the back of a paddy wagon with, you know, a rough crowd. And that's just what ministry looks like. It doesn't look like the respectability that, that you know, of, of our culture. It doesn't look like cultural capital. It doesn't look like all the, everyone claiming the name of Jesus is so proud of you. You might take a lot of criticism and contempt. And I just reached a place where I don't care. And you know how many people have reached out to me who are totally overlooked? People just thanking me. It's not it's not middle, upper middle class. I don't just mean economically. I just mean like you're culturally um you 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 are buffered from these things. It's the people who face the consequences of these things that say, hey, thanks for doing that. You know, thanks for standing up for us. Hmm. And that's just where the focus of my ministry is going to be, you know, mm-hmm. not on not on making, you know, convincing other people of things. Mm-hmm. So I really felt that coming home. What about you? Uh, I think for me, well, there was one experience that I had that I think will stick with me for the rest of my life. And it was running into those two Polish ladies that you, mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier. Um this was after Jeremy had been arrested and we were kind of making our way back to the vehicle and we ran into these two Polish ladies who had bust in from Toronto to be there. Wow. Uh, they're probably in their early sixties. Um, and they're, they're almost frantic. Like they're, they're hurrying along frantically looking for a way to get in. Um, and they said to me, they asked me if I knew a way in. I said, I, I was looking for one and they said, we heard they're tear gassing the protesters. We have to get down there. These, these like elderly women, right, uh, who had bust in from Toronto and who had spent the last three days working at a, one of the churches downtown making meals for the, the truckers and the protesters and caring for people. I was just so impressed 
um, by the courage of those women and the and the courage of um, so many of the people who were who I met on Saturday. Um, and courage begets courage. Mm-hmm. Like I, I found that, um, you know, I was saying to Michaela, Jacob Leeming does not naturally go to <laughs> confrontational mm-hmm. kind of environments like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to make a coffee and read a book uh, on a Saturday afternoon. That's my ideal Saturday afternoon, not facing down a row of riot police. Um, but by the grace of God and the help of good men, that was something that I was able to, and and I'm thankful for that I was able to participate in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think one of the things that I I did take away is that we need each other. We need the body of Christ um, to be courageous and to do, to to stand for righteousness. And and we need to do that together. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing as well that I've just been thinking about is that truth matters. Mm -hmm. Uh, And whoever is running the Ottawa police Twitter account is a liar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've been living in this, in this culture of relativism for a long time without actually feeling the full effects of it before, like Mm -hmm. before it's just, you have your truth and I have my truth and, and leave me alone so that I can do what I want to do and that kind of thing. But up until this point, no one has really been harmed to, to a certain extent. It's like you can ruin your own life that way. But now we're seeing it where, because there's such a blatant disregard for the truth, now you can just label people. You can just lie about people and then muster and punish them for it. Like yeah. the federal government mustering as much power as it possibly could for a state sanctioned witch hunt. Yeah. Right. It's like, that's where a disregard for truth has led us. And, yeah. and now we're starting to see just how harmful that idea can be. Mm-hmm. And we need to repent for that. Mm-hmm. So those, I don't know, those would be two things that I've kind of That's taken great. away from it. What about you, Tristan? Um, I think in line with what I've been reading recently um, in Hosea, um, Hosea says, those who sow the wind will reap the, the whirlwind. Um, Hmm. So with me, it was it was the vanity of um, of these officers who we stared in the face and who are longing for a pension in their sixties and then can live the rest of their five years of life in freedom and and I was, I was thinking, yeah, what are we sowing um, that has eternal significance? And then I was I also I fell upon I don't remember where it is in the Psalms, but. Um, those who sow the yeah, basically those who sow the seed of tears, bearing seeds for the harvest, um, will reap. Um, I said, I'm butchering the. Will reap. Will reap joy. Basically, mm-hmm. and the idea of bearing seed it, to me is like it is a burden. And it's a weight, but it's a weight in as much as it's you're you're carrying it in tears. Um, even as we think of the Lord Jesus in Gethsemane, you know, bearing that weight that I'll never be able to comprehend, and the tears that came down. Um, but you know, what was what was um, what was the harvest of Jesus's Lord Jesus Christ's death? Um, the harvest was beyond comprehension of the God Man raising from the dead and bringing new life um, to the world. 
and in the same way we follow our Lord Jesus, um, we take up our cross, and at times that can feel like a weight. Those seeds in our in our pack sack is a is a weight, mm-hmm. but as we sow them, and as we see the harvest. Um, as you mentioned, now the harvest is plentiful, mm-hmm. um, and we see we we've just begun to see. In my lifetime, I've been a Christian for a long time. Um, I, I would put quotes around that, and I I honestly had never seen someone come to Christ in my past, however long I've been a Christian for, and that's sad. Um, in the past two years, I've seen more people come to Christ, and I have more brothers now that I've seen come from darkness to light. Mm-hmm. They had. It's just a. It's glorious to be part of this, and not to be someone who is. Um, and I'm. And I'm not ever for a moment thinking that I'm any better than those who sit behind a, a computer screen. But I give. You know, I give God the glory. But I'm so thankful for a church, a small community of believers, um, who have stood together in the past two years, um, who have had some fearful times with with police and things that I would not have expected would come. But it's just, it was a complete joy to stand with my brothers uh, in Ottawa um, mm. and face the police. I had no fear. Um, because we've just been, the testimony of what God is doing with this harvest is is right before our eyes. And I feel, I feel really bad for those Christians who think it's safer and wiser to be at home. Mm. You're missing out on a glorious, glorious time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's... Yeah, amen, brother. Well, thanks, thanks to all three of you guys, and to uh, Justin and Calvin, the other guys that went down. Uh, it was uh, pretty inspirational seeing, and now hearing the story, I hadn't actually mm-hmm. heard all these stories before uh, today. So, thank you for doing that, and um, I'm sure there's going to be more opportunity for us to uh, to join and to show some courage. So, mm-hmm. uh, we pray that uh, that that happens again, yeah. and that uh, there will be more peaceful opportunity for Mm. us to do that so Mm -hmm. but uh for now we'll uh see you next time on the dominion podcast what are we talking about next time you got any idea no idea something really just obscure and obtuse Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no yet enlightened actually you know what i think we were talking we were thinking of uh doing uh the the topic of liberty and freedom yes that's it and dealing with that just because it's not a white supremacist thing. No, freedom's got a bad name all of a sudden for some reason. Turns out people like to be slaves. So <laughs> <laughs> Or rulers. Or rulers, yeah. They like to be one or the other. Well, uh, from us at the Dominion Podcast, we'll see you next time. <laughs>